Hey there everyone and welcome back again for another week of our fabulous <laughs> podcast uh, we like to call Random Song Encounters. Once again, we're coming to you from the SoCal Desert State of the Art Studio Compound. Uh, our podcast this week is uh, maybe a kind of a dual meeting. We're, we're, we're going to call it The Jury Is Out as I narrowly escaped being called for jury duty earlier in the week uh, by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but uh, so, a blessing in disguise. Uh, and the same could be said as relates to our brave little podcast. We've uh, received lots of great feedback and props, but uh, you know, it's like, what have you done for me lately? We can't rest on our laurels. Laurels, sorry about that. Um, so on with the show. I'm Gene Vincent, your host, as usual, and we've got a fabulous, even transcendent group of tracks for you today. So let's kick it off and start off with a track by none other than Morphine. Here you go. See a little more fat. Yeah. 
the soundtrack kindly produce a sound? Go on. Don't be nervous. Go ahead. Any sound? <laughs> well, that isn't quite what I had in mind. segment one five fabulous tracks to start off the show um uh, you know let's go back to the beginning and run through them all and uh get caught up we'll move on to segment two uh we started off with a little jazzy rock from the group morphine out of cambridge mass uh and there's tune honey white from their 1995 track yes or album yes their, which was their third lp uh, they formed in 1989. Uh, mainly their front man, bassist, and vocalist Mark Sandman uh, got some folks together. They and they have a really or had a, a really unusual type of sound and lineup for the group. Uh, Mark himself played a two-string bass rather than a normal bass. I started off playing a one-string bass 
a single string bass, but he added in a second string, so uh, uh, used a two string bass for most of the time. Uh, they also had a saxophone, uh, and the saxophonist uh, sometimes would play a double sax, uh, two saxes at the same time, uh, to create a sound uh, much like the one you heard in this song. Uh, I think that's got the double sax uh, sound in it, but uh, really cool. And then drums to go along with it. Uh, and they created this, what they called like our low rock sound, uh, to go along with uh, Mark Sandman's vocals, a kind of low, raspy, jazzy kind of vocal. Uh, a really cool band, and uh, they've got got some really great songs. Uh, Buena is one of their, maybe their biggest, most popular tune. Uh, but this one is great, too. Just love this Honey White song. Um, the sad part about it is the band... Uh, broke up immediately in 1999 after Mark Sandman uh, died of a heart attack on stage during a show in Italy. Uh, but within that period of time, uh, from 90, 89 to, I don't know, 99, they put out, they were able to put out five LPs, uh, some great stuff. This particular song itself, Honey White, is about a, a junk food junkie uh, who makes a deal with the devil. Uh, so. Check them out. Uh, great, great band. Morphine started off the show. Great track, Honey White. After that, we went all the way back to 1967 in a group called John Fred and his Playboy Band and their song, Judy in Disguise. Uh, it's off their third LP, Agnes English. They're out of Louisiana. They formed in 19, well, all the way back in 1956 when Fred was just 15. And by the time he was 18, uh, they had their first charting single. Uh, they were originally known as John Fred and the Playboys, but they changed their name slightly to avoid a comparison with Gary Lewis and the Playboys, who we played and talked about in a previous episode here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the song itself, Lucy in the Sky, is taken after Judy in Disguise, is uh, a parody of the, of the title of the Beatles song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, the song actually hit number one on the Billboard charts, replacing another Beatles song, Hello Goodbye, at the time. Uh, but uh, the song ended up being kind of a bad omen for the group uh, because of that song and because it's a parody. They were branded as kind of a novelty act uh, and never really had any further major success after that uh, when they were really more like a R&B soul uh, rock or you know blues kind of band and uh, uh, this this didn't really even represent at all what type of a group they were but uh, they got labeled with this and and uh, in the end I guess it cost them dearly. After that we went to 1982 and Escalator of Life by Robert Hazard out of Philadelphia uh, off his self-titled LP EP Robert Hazard which was his debut um, Aside from this and a couple other tracks in this electro-pop approach, similar to this tune, he also spent time in a bunch of other genres like folk, country and western, and reggae. He's also maybe as notably or noted for writing the big hit Girls Just Wanna Have Fun which was originally, he wrote in 1979 from the male perspective. Uh, Cindy Lauper got a hold of the tune and 
twisted it around and changed the lyrics to reflect a female attitude and, and put it out as a, and it was a huge hit for her in 1983. Um, so th there you go. He's, uh, He's put out, had a couple other hits, uh, and a couple of the tunes he's written, but uh, this is really the, the biggest one for him along the escalator of life. Uh, Hazard released five LPs from 1982 through 2007, and, uh, but only had one other charting hit before passing away in 2008. So Robert Hazard, another great track, Escalator of Life. After that, we got Bluesy with you, and the track Going Down by Freddie King out of Texas. His 1971 album, Getting Ready, which was his ninth LP at the time. Uh, Freddie started playing guitar at six and moved to Chicago as a teenager to start his first band. Uh, he is known as one of the three kings of the blues guitar uh, with Albert King and B.B. King. They're not related, but uh, uh, that's, the, uh, that's the acknowledgement that he's received. Um, for this particular album, he changed record labels and signed with Shelter Records, uh, which was a fledgling new uh, label at the time, owned by Leon Russell and Danny Cordell. We spoke about Shelter Records way back in episode one, uh, and with Leon Russell uh, in particular, and uh, this was one ended up being one of the acts that they signed. Uh, the song was originally written by a guy named Don Nix and recorded by a group called Moloch for their 1969 debut LP. Didn't do much, go anywhere, but uh, uh, I say, uh, Freddie got a hold of it, became a big hit for him, uh, and it's become a rock standard <clears throat> covered by tons and tons of artists. Uh, after the Freddie King uh, version came out, uh, tons of artists got a hold of it, and it's, it's been, you know, like I said, a staple in the, in the rock and blues uh, genre. Uh, Freddie passed away at the age of 42, uh, said to have been from stress. Uh, he's always had a supposedly a legendary hard party and lifestyle and a poor diet, uh, supposedly mainly a Bloody Marys that uh, Freddie famously said that uh, he loved them and, because they've got food in them. So <laughs> there you have it, <laughs> Freddie King. Uh, after that, the last track in segment one, we heard from Joy Wave out of New York and their tune Destruction uh, off their 2015 debut LP called How Do You Feel Now? Uh, they formed in 2010 and released two EPs before this particular uh, debut LP on their own label. Most of the members of the band had played in various bands together growing up and they, they got, uh, you know, they, they finally decided to, you know, um, create their own band and their own sound and uh, came up with Joy Wave. Uh, they first got notoriety working with another band called Big Data on a song called Dangerous, uh, which became an alternate uh, alternative hit. Uh, from there, they, uh, uh, on this particular track, frontman Daniel Armbruster explained uh, he wanted a track to be the opposite of something he had heard at a music festival uh, he went to the festival and they were playing, you know, some old, uh, you know, disco-y type tunes, happy stuff, and just, you know, just kind of safe and calculated. And he actually, in listening to it, got this idea, left the music festival before he even got to see who he wanted to see, ran home, 
write that wrote this tune within about 24 hours and put it out which would kind of be the the anti-tune to what he was hearing at that festival uh, there's a cool video for the track as well that you should check out uh, the group is still out there making music and touring uh, just having completed a tour last year so check them out joy wave and destruction that's it for segment one and we're going to move right into segment two and a track by someone we've talked about before as part of another group, Mr. Paul Weller. Here we go.
I love that track. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Let's start from there and work our way back. Uh, of course, that was Boom, Boom. By this particular version, uh, it was Big Head Todd and the Monsters with special guest John Lee Hooker. Uh, Big Head Todd and the Monsters are out of Colorado. And it's uh, the, this particular version of that track is off of their 1997 
LP, Beautiful World, which was their fifth. They formed back in Colorado uh, back in 1986 when uh, the three uh, core members of the group were all attending University of Colorado. Uh, they got together and began touring clubs in the area and developing a following, and uh, they were able to, to build on that in, in the Colorado and the West. Uh, this particular album happened to be produced by Jerry Harrison of Talking Heads fame. And uh, this particular track, Boom Boom, uh, famous, famous, famous blues track from way back in the day, uh, came about by chance. Uh, blues legend John Lee Hooker happened to be in Colorado uh, recording an album in the same studio. Uh, they met, had a chat, got together, and... Uh, John uh, agreed to play a version of the song with the band, uh, and which they were floored by. And uh, you know, like I say, it was very intimidating having him in the same room with him, uh, being the legend that he is. But uh, I just love this version. It's just a little more rocked up and and just a great, great track. Uh, John Lee Hooker has said that uh, he got the idea for the song from a bartender uh, when he was playing a residence uh, residency back in the day at some club somewhere uh, he would always be late to his gigs uh, at, a, at this particular club and he would come in late for the show every night and the bartender would say boom boom you late again and uh, so after a couple of times he said hey you know that's gonna that would be a great tune so he went and set about writing a song about it and it's actually his uh, you know probably his most recognizable and, and, and tr most famous track that he's uh, he's written Prior to that, we heard uh, a little mod ska tune from The Untouchables out of L.A. and their song Free Yourself off their 1985 LP, Wild Child, which was their debut. Uh, they formed in 1981 uh, out of some inspiration they've gotten uh, from hearing a ska punk band called The Box Boys, uh, who some of you may have heard of. Uh, when they got together to try and put this, you know, put this group together, there were members of the group who couldn't even play instruments. Uh, so they, you know, hustled around and quickly got instruments and tried to learn as quickly as possible. And uh, if they couldn't, they became vocalists in the group. Uh, the band name itself uh, is a satire uh, of bands who put themselves on a pedestal above their fans or you know, even brilliant musicians that they would never become. So uh, they were called like, you know, untouchables. So they grabbed that and uh, used it as kind of a parody of those types of groups. Um, they're credited with being America's first ska band. Uh, you know, the, the ska invasion kind of took the UK by storm along with the mod kind of deal with, uh, with the Who and, and all that, you know, uh, riding around on the scooters with the big jackets and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the, the Untouchables kind of brought that sound and that uh, look uh, to the United States and to L.A. in particular, and there were groups of kids running around, you know, riding scooters and with the big jackets and, you know, uh, kind of following in that same mod kind of uh, uh, look and feel and sound. Uh, but they're, like I say, their credit is the first one in the United States. Uh, the, another little known fact, they served as a house band for a while at the Roxy Theater on Sunset, famous venue. There you have it, The Untouchables. Prior to that, uh, 
We had a little parody, a little fun tune to throw out at you called the cover of The Rolling Stone by a group called Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show out of New Jersey. Uh, it's off their 1972 second LP, uh, rightly called Sloppy Seconds. Uh, they formed around 1970, and again, uh, there were three core members who had worked together in a prior band and wanted to start a new group, so they broke out and put this thing together, uh, grabbed a, a vocalist from uh, another group, called, a guy named Dennis uh, Lochiori, uh, who was initially going to be their bass player. Uh, the band name itself is inspired by uh, one of the members of the band, Ray Sawyer's Eye Patch. Uh, and along with a reference to Captain Hook from Peter Pan, uh, I guess he lost his uh, lost his eye in a, a terrible, terrible car accident and wore a patch every all all the time after that. Um, another little strange fact: uh, there was a famous poet from back in the day, back in the seventies, and so a guy named Shel Silverstein. He actually wrote all of the songs on the group's. Uh, debut LP as well as this LP so which is kind of unusual not in the band but uh, uh, like I say wrote all the tracks this particular song as I mentioned is a satire of music business as you could you could tell uh, all about poking fun at the idea that you made it uh, once you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone um, as a result of the song and uh, prior success they had had as a group uh, with some other hits that they had put out before this they actually did finally get their cover on their cover of the rolling stone in 1973 the group name wasn't mentioned on the cover and it was just like a character character drawing of like three of the band members instead of the whole group and the uh the cover simply read what's their names make the cover which is kind of a throwback uh at them uh Fortunately, the band split up in 1985, and that was the last of uh, Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Prior to that, we went back to 1966 in a uh, tune called Black is Black from Los Bravos out of Spain. It's off their 1966 debut LP, also called Black is Black. They formed a year earlier in 65, and they were based in uh, Madri Madrid, Spain. And they're uh, really a merger of two prior Spanish groups uh, that decided to join forces and create this uh, uh, Los Bravos group. Uh, their lead singer, unusually, uh, a guy named Mike Kogel, uh, hails from Germany. So, uh, you know, kind of an unusual mix there, a Spanish group uh, with a German singer. Uh, this particular song was their debut single and their most famous track, reaching number two in the U.K., and I think it got to number four or so in the United States. Uh, the band released four LPs between 66 and 69 before they broke up. But uh, this song, and uh, they had one other track, I can't remember the name of it now, that uh, uh, got, some, got a lot of airplay and it was even used in, uh, I think, the Quentin Tarantino film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, so check out that one. That's another good track. It was a toss-up whether to play that one or this one. Decided to go with this one. And then at the beginning of segment two, uh, we heard from Paul Weller of the UK and his song Flame Out uh, off his 2013. Uh, it's a non-album single, uh, but it was released on a subsequent compilation album called More Modern Classics. 
Uh, as I mentioned, we spoke about, we talked about uh, Paul Weller uh, a few episodes back uh, in his participation, in particular the band The Jam. Uh, was I think we played a tune from The Jam. Uh, and then uh, also in the Style Council as the leader of those two groups. In uh, uh, this particular tune, after those two groups, he uh, went off on his own, started a solo career that has lasted for over 30 years now. Uh, and this particular tune finds Paul deep into that solo career. I think it's, like I said, 2013, so that finds him about 20 years into his into the solo career. Uh, this particular tune, uh, Flame Out, was released as part of a record store day uh, in the U UK in 2013 uh, as a single uh, with a, uh, another track uh, as the B-side. Uh, He's still out there making music, touring. He's never had a, a ton of su success in the United States, and I'm not sure why that is, but he's huge out in Europe and, and specifically in the U.K. and, and just, uh, like I say, been, uh, been out there doing it for a long time. Uh, he released his last LP, as a matter of fact, back in 2021 called Fat Pop, and it opened at number one on the U.K. charts. So, you know, just one of those weird things. Go figure. Um, but there you have it. Segment two done deal and let's can keep it rolling uh, with some the last segment of the show segment three and some fantastic as I said transcendent transcendent tracks to close out the show we're going to start off with something from the 1980s or 1990 early 1990s I think it is and a group called the Lemonheads here we go see you on the backside.
That's a fantastic track to close out the show in segment three. For what it's worth, got no friend, got no lover. Uh, let's go back to the beginning of the segment and work our way back. We started off with the Lemonheads, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, their tune, Rudderless, Ship Without a Rudder. And it's off their 1992 uh, huge LP for them. Uh, it's a shame about Ray, which was a big hit for them off of that particular track, as well as I think they did a remake of Mrs. Robinson, uh, which is also a big hit hit for them. Uh, it, this was their fifth LP. The group is out of Boston, uh, formed in 1986 uh, with frontman Evan Dando, who some of you may know. He's I think he was in named the sexiest man alive in one particular year or something like that at the height of the band uh, and he's been the only constant band member uh, the band name actually came from a brand of candy uh, Lemonheads if you've heard of them, some of you have some of you here, it's sweet on the outside and sour on the inside, Lemonheads uh, and at the time this album was conceived uh, it's a shame about Ray uh, Juliana Hatfield, who's had a great career in her own right. Uh, was a member of the of the Lemonheads. She played bass and and on backing vocals. You can actually hear her in backing vocals on this particular track. Um, the idol, album title "It's a Shame About Ray" comes from a quote Evan Dando read uh, when he was over in Australia at the time uh, in a paper uh, about a kid named Ray. 
who kept getting kicked out of every school he attended. So there you have it. Uh, the band broke up in 1997 for a period of time, but reformed uh, uh, in 2005 and uh, is out there currently still making music. They released their last LP in 2019, still going strong, touring. Uh, and uh, there you have it. After that, we heard from a group out of Australia called Scientists off of their uh, 1979, it was a non-album single called Frantic Romantic. Uh, they did release it later on on a compilation album called <laughs> Pissed on Another Planet. So <laughs> great album title. But uh, the 1979 version is a, is a single only. Uh, they were led by the group by a guy named Kim Salmon. Uh, they became the scientists in 1978, uh, off a different name, they ran out by a couple different names, but uh, uh, finalized the scientists in '78. Started as a punk band, uh, but then uh, by the and and this is kind of during that punk segment of the band, uh, but then they moved into this kind of swamp swamp rock sound into the '80s. This particular song was the group's first single release in '79. Uh, the band split in '81 after recording their self-titled debut album and then reformed the same year but again split in 1987. So there you have it. Cool little tune. Uh, Frantic Romantic. Then we heard none other than uh, the Beatles uh, out of the UK and their tune I Me Mine off their 1970 LP Let It Be which was their 12th and final release uh, although it wasn't their final album recorded, it was their final LP released. Uh, it was actually recorded prior to uh, the album Abbey Road, but uh, because of some ongoing plans they had with a documentary and some live performances that they were going to work around that return to, uh, the, the band was thinking about returning to live performance, and so they were putting all this together and while this was still in the works and going back and forth and there was this whole you know rigmarole to get this plan in place uh, they got back in the studio and recorded and released Abbey Road so kind of one of those weird deals where you know it was uh, released later than but recorded prior to uh, Abbey Road uh, I think actually contains this particular track let's go back this particular track, I Mean Mine, is considered to be the last track uh, recorded by the group. Because it was cut ac actually late after the album had been, um, like say, had been sitting for a while and before it was finally released, they got back together in January of 1970 uh, to record this one track and complete the album. Although this track uh, only can has uh, three of the Beatles, George, uh, Paul, and Ringo. John uh, Lennon wasn't around. He had already left the group by the time this they got together. They cut this track. So some consider this not to be the Beatles' last track because it didn't. John wasn't there and wasn't involved in the recording. But this is the last track they recorded. Uh, uh, there's a, another track that uh, off the Abbey Road album, um, and it's it uh, I can't remember I, th oh, I think it's I want you she she's so heavy which is if you're you know 
if you view it the other way with all four members together, that particular song off of Abbey Road was the last song that they recorded as a group with all four members in the studio. So, you know, a lot of people go around, you know, bantering about this stuff and, you know, with more time on their hands than, you know, they know what to deal with. But uh, there you have it, you know, pick pick your poison. Um, this album was finally released in May of 1970, like I said, about a month after the the public breakup of the group was announced and like eight months after John Lennon had finally departed the band. Um, it's written by George Harrison and kind of uh, deals with egoism, uh, which was a big issue in the band at the time. Uh, the recording of these last two LPs, uh, uh, you know, a lot of infighting, a lot of stuff going around, going on between the, the band members, and uh, so George Harrison kind of put this tune together, uh, which became, the, again, the last track they recorded uh, as the Beatles, even though John wasn't uh, uh, present. Uh, you hear that big sound, uh, you know, with the with the violins and the this that and the other thing in there, and and that's because you had the guy, uh, wall of sound master Phil Spector, who ended up producing this particular track. So they have it, the Beatles. Uh, we could talk about the Beatles for hours and hours and hours. So you know, thought we'd just uh, talk about the the album and the track itself for a little bit. After that, to the 1980s we go. And the song Everywhere That I'm Not, from Translator out of San Francisco, their 1982 debut LP again, Heartbeats and Triggers. They formed in L.A. in 1979, and they relocated to San Francisco uh, when they were signed to an independent label based out of San Francisco uh, from a demo tape they had sent to a college radio station in San Francisco, NSF, so uh, moved up there uh, and... and uh, the groups, the groups uh, stripped down music and sometimes ironic and disturbing lyrics are said to be by some as a possible precursor to the whole thing, alternative rock genre that occurred starting I think, in the 1990s, if you want to call it that. Um, it, this was the last music, or the last music released by the band was back in 2016, so they're out there still floating around, not sure if they're they got anything planned, but uh, Translator is uh, still hanging around in the background somewhere, and uh, maybe we'll get some music, new music from them. But uh, love this particular track, Everywhere That I'm Not. And then to close out the show, we hear a great, great track. I love this song, uh, For What It's Worth, by Placebo out of the UK. Off their 2009 LP, Battle for the Sun, which was their sixth. Uh, they formed in 94. Uh, in a, based on a chance meeting in a tube, sca tube station in London or a subway, if you don't know what a tube station is, uh, uh, you know the uh, British lingo. Uh, a guy named Stefan Oldsdahl well, was on his way home from a guitar lesson, and he ran into uh, you know, soon-to-be fellow bandmate Brian Molko uh, in the subway and noticed uh, he was carrying a guitar case. Struck up a conversation. Uh, Brian asked Stefan uh, if he wanted to go catch, his, catch a gig he was playing at a local club. Uh, Stefan uh, went, saw the performance, and after seeing it, decided, hey, you know, this is great. We should get together and form a band, and they did so. 
the band name is supposedly uh, there's a couple of different versions of this you know pick your again pick your poison to whichever one you think uh, might work or maybe a little bit of both uh, it's first of all it's supposedly taken from the Latin meaning of the word I shall please although uh, it's also mentioned uh, it, it's kind of a twist on the 1990s cliche uh, of you know uh, naming a band after a drug so they took the antithesis of that and, and instead of calling it you know like I said we talked about morphine earlier uh, or you know whatever drug name you want to talk they 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 came up with placebo uh, this album uh, battle for the sun is uh, supposedly carries the theme of choosing life and stepping out of the darkness and into the light it's the band first and first album uh, to carry a uh, thematic unity uh, the song is, is like a celebratory lust for life uh, if you listen to the tune and so uh, according to the, the band members uh, when they put it together uh, their last LP uh, was just out a couple years ago 2022 called Never Let Me Go and uh, again uh, hope to hear some new music, new music for them down the road but just a Placebo is a great, great band. They got a lot of great tracks, and uh, I just love this one, so I had to include it. So there you have it. Done with segment three. Done with episode 27. Let's move on and close this thing out. All right, there you go. The jury is out. The jury is no longer out. As we got out. We escaped jury duty. Uh, but jury's out on the show. We're going to keep it going. Love all the feedback that we get. Love hearing from you all. Uh, you know, let us know uh, if there's something you want to hear, something you like, something you don't like. You know, we're, uh, we're aimed to please. And uh, we enjoy bringing it to you. So we're going to keep this thing going. Episode 28 next week. Uh, and uh, again, we appreciate you. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And remember, share the good stuff. Bye for now.